Black Panther, Miss Marvel, Luke Cage, Blade, they're not just blockbuster comic book franchises. They're a source of representation in a space that often excludes people of color. So last week I sat down with Comics in Color co-founder Kagan Luce on creating spaces for black and brown folks who just want to nerd out. short clip, a little one, from the film writer Jamil Smith calls, quote, a movie about what it means to be black in both America and Africa, and more importantly, in the world, Black Panther. But for the founders of comics in color, Black Panther and the rise of other POC heroes means an important step in their mission to promote inclusion and representation in the comic and sci-fi space. CIC creates a safe space where you can come and just nerd out about illustrated stories by and about people of color. As a blurred or black nerd myself, I jumped at the chance to be in conversation with Kagan Luce, co-founder of Comics in Color Boston. All right, Kagan, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to, to talk with me. Thank you for having me. Um, so first, you know, let's just jump right in because I've been watching what you've been doing for a while and I'm so excited to to talk to you about this project. Tell me about Comics in Color. Well, Comics in Color is uh, a group of artists that um, and uh, enthusiasts who come together in the enjoyment of comics by and about people of color. Um, so it's I'll start from the beginning. You know, it just started out um, my partner Barrington and I. Barrington Edwards, who is another artist here in Boston. Um, we met each other and uh, connected with a love of comics and then decided to travel together to a comics convention in New York called um, the Black Comic Book Festival in the, at the Schomburg Museum and walked into this room with hundreds of black and brown faces just loving comics and science fiction. And it was just a paradigm shift for us that this sort of thing even existed because we didn't even know until that point. And this was around 2016. And on our way back from New York, we said, Boston needs something like this. We need a space like this where um, people who love comics and science fiction, people of color who love comics and science fiction and people of color who are making comics and science fiction need to have a place to all come together in Boston. So uh, that's how Comics and Color was born. And we basically um, you know, thought about it for a little while. And then when um, Black Panther was being released in 2018, that seemed like the moment, right? All of a sudden, Black comics you know, uh, were in the forefront and people were interested in it who weren't particularly interested in it before. So we said, this is our time. So we just started small with a group of folks meeting up at the, the Grove Hall Library and uh, just talking about uh, comics by people of color that we had collected at different events we've gone to. And then it kind of blossomed. Uh, we started, you know, more people started coming and we started doing workshops and um, we started doing activities, you know, comic making activities. And we used to have, and then we have artists come in to talk about their work and process. And uh, so we did that for a couple of years and then we decided to go for the festival, which, uh, you know, we're very excited about. And, uh, and that was 2020. Unfortunately, that first festival never happened because of COVID. Uh, but, um, you know, we, you know, we got the bug and we knew that people were interested. And so we went ahead and did it in, as a hybrid festival in 2021, where we did a, um, you know, a live event with, along with like panels and workshops online. And then, um, and that came out pretty well. And so then we moved on to the full festival in 2022. 
So tell me about how, how you fell in love with comics yourself, comics in the sci-fi space. Oh, well, I've always loved comics ever since I was a little kid. Um, I really started out with um, strip comics, like, uh, you know, just reading in the paper, um, Garfield, um, the, you know, um, Calvin and Hobbes. And then when kind of when the boondocks started, that's when it really opened my eyes to, wow, there's, you know, people of color making comics and really, you know, uh, pushing the envelope. And uh, that really pulled me in. And then, you know, along the line, I got into comic books, X-Men, you know, the 90s Claremont X-Men was really what, uh, what pulled me into the, you know, the sci-fi and superhero comic space. And just, you know, ever since then, I just loved it. I made comics as a kid, uh, you know, was always, you know, trying to do my thing. Um, and then, you know, a couple of years ago, I started doing, you know, more, the more, went back to the strip format comics, which is what I am currently doing. I, I'm always thoughtful about how it feels like, because I'm a, a sci-fi reader myself, and it seems like in the future, there there's no Black people. <laughs> like, all of a sudden, there's some event, and, you know, whatever happens in the dystopian, this, the event to create the dystopian world, like, all the Black people or people of color are gone. Um, so how does uh, Comics in Color work to sort of talk about and expanding the work of artists that are including, are creating an inclusive future. Well, I think Crystal, that a lot of us uh, blurs, as we're called, black nerds, um, found that same thing, right? That we weren't being represented in, you know, popular science fiction. So um, folks started making their own, and I think that, and there's been a big movement in a black sci-fi and comics in the last like ten years or so where uh, folks are just making their own. I mean, we always have been, you know, Walter Mosley, Octavia Butler were doing um, science fiction and, you know, the Milestone comics were very big in the 90s, but now there's a real independent comics movie, people, people self-publishing and putting out their own books. And Comics in Color, one of our, our big pushes is that we believe that di diverse storytelling is good for everyone. Um, you know, the more different people that are telling their stories, um, I think it leads to more understanding between everyone. So we want to encourage that and promote, you know, uh, promote artists who are doing it and artists and creators who are doing it now and uh, let, cause you know, it doesn't really make it up to Boston a lot. So we really wanted to kind of push that up to Boston but also developing the next generation of, you know, artists and letting, you know, young folks know that their stories are valid and that their stories are interesting and people will be interested in them and that they can do it, right? Because a lot of times it's, you know, people, uh, young people see, oh, well, nobody wants interest in my story or I don't have the skills to do, a, do it. But, you know, comics are this great um, even thing that anybody can do it. You don't need a fancy computer or a fancy camera or anything like that. You just need a piece of paper, a pencil and an idea and you can create a comic. So how big do you think Black Panther was to elevating this cause to really the mainstream? I think it was huge. I mean, you know, we, I mean, there's definitely the movement was there before Black Panther, but Black Panther showed the world that stories that center around Black people and their experiences are valid and interesting around the world. You know, like uh, uh, there, there was always this thought that, you know, movies that have black people aren't going to uh, be, people aren't going to be interested in China, right, which is a huge uh, market for the film industry, but Black Panther changed all that, right, it made billions of dollars across the world, so now 
there's definitely much more interest in stories by and about people of color, creative stories and, uh, you know, film and TV are looking for that and comics are where they're going. So you, you have a couple of examples of folks who have been just, you know, killing it in the independent comics industry that are now being elevated to getting their uh, stories optioned by film and television companies. So I think it really, and that wouldn't have happened before Black Panther, I don't think. So I think it's a really, really exciting time. Would you say that Black Panther is sort of the seminal comic in, in uh, you know, in, when we're talking about uh, comics and um, sci-fi work of people of color, or is there one that folks blurs like yourself <laughs> really know about and point to as like, that's really where, where black characters were elevated, where black stories were elevated in this space? Well, I think that Black Panther is really the greatest example, right? It's it's gone from kind of an obscure B-level uh, Marvel comic to, you know, a flagship, basically. Um, but there's definitely some other titles, you know, the whole Milestone Initiative back in the 90s um, with uh, Dennis Cowan and uh, uh, the other gentleman there whose names escape me right now. But they put out, you know, a bunch, you know, Static Shock, for instance, is another one that's very, like super, super popular, was very popular when it was a comic book. They did a animated television show that was super popular and that now is have come back as a comic book uh, most recently. So I think that's another one though, you know, those milestone um, titles were very influential as well. Just not, I don't think they made it quite into the mainstream the same way that Black Panther did. But uh, I think we're gonna see a lot more of that in the future, right? Like, in the past, we only had a few to pick from, but now there's so many exciting stories that are out there. Um, so I think, yes, Black Panther is a seminal work, but I think there's there's a few more, but there's many more coming. We'll you see. mentioned a few times the, the Milestone series. For folks who don't know what that is, can you explain a little bit of that? So back in the 90s, uh, Dwayne McDuffie, who was the name I couldn't remember, Dennis Cowan, and a few other um, artists from, uh, I think DC were able to create a, a label of their own and create a whole series of comic characters, um, of black comic characters that were released, you know, uh, nationwide. And it was very, very popular at the time. Um, uh, Mr. McDuffie unfortunately passed away and it kind of ended the run of Milestone, but the influence has been massive. I mean, the uh, you look into the comics that are being created today and you can see the influence of those stories from then. I think it's a, you know, for, you know, black comic book creators like myself and Barrington as well, um, Milestone was a, another eye opener, right? Like that there were black folks in the industry creating black stories, you know, and it was being accepted worldwide. I mean, uh, black folks have been in the comic industry since the beginning, let's be clear. Um, but that's like one of the first times that they were brought into the comic book, you know, the mainstream of comic book, which is like now mainstream, but then was not mainstream. It was still a lot of, you know, people searching in long boxes in people's basements, but now it's become something even larger. You know what I mean? And the, the, the rise of the convention, I think has also contributed a lot to that. And that was going to be my question. Is that where folks sort of plug into this the most at conventions online? Because you just don't see the same amount of comic book stores that you 
used to. I mean, one just closed in my in my neighborhood in Arlington, and that was a big deal. Um, you know, they're downsizing, or maybe they're combining, they're getting creative and combining with bookshops. But I feel like you don't see the standalone comic book store as much as you used to. Yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. I mean, um, you know, I think with the whole print industry, which is, has been hit pretty hard by the, the internet and, you know, Amazon, uh, I think it's killed a lot of, you know, smaller stores. But the, the comic book store was the place where people met, right? It was the social aspect of comics for a very long time. Um, you know, the internet has created a whole nother world, right, where you can connect with people all over the world um, with whatever niche you want, but comics has been a, a huge part of that. Um, and then, but the, um, you know, with the fall of the comic book store, the convention has risen, like, the, where, you know, a couple of years ago, there was hardly any conventions. I'm not even talking about Black conventions, I'm just talking about comic conventions. There was just a couple of big ones here and there, but now they're everywhere. And, uh, you know, it's a great way for people to meet come together as a creator it's a an amazing resource to meet other creators because oftentimes with comics or any sort of artwork you're kind of in your basement drawing by yourself maybe with your partner but there you can meet other people you can exchange ideas you can uh, make connections and i think it's it's super important and that's one of the reasons why we wanted to do a comics festival to bring folks together um that you need a network right you need a uh, people like-minded people who are um, doing the similar things that you're doing, and it just it just breeds creativity to, to be around creative people doing creative things, and uh, also you know brings exposure. It brings you the, you meet the fans, right? Whereas you've been putting these comic books out, and maybe they're selling them online or getting them in the stores, but never seeing people, right? Who's reading your comics or getting feedback besides maybe comments on the internet, which can be go either way. But it's really nice to uh, you know be able to face-to-face, -face, like someone walks up and looks at your comic and says, what's your comic about? And you actually, you know, interact with them and speak to them and give them your story. Why did you make this? Why did you write this, this book? I think, it's, I think it's super important for not only um, enthusiasts who want to be exposed to things that they maybe wouldn't find in Barnes and Noble or, you know, whatever, and, uh, you know, and for the, the artists to build their uh, audience. So then how do you engage young people who may not have access to these conventions? I mean, probably there's definitely probably some kids who do, but like, you know, when I was younger and dabbled in comic books, I won't call myself an aficionado, but like, you know, I walked to the, I walked to the comic book store. I bought, you know, a comic for a few dollars and, and, and that's how I was able to access it. Like, how do we get the young kids engaged? Well, that's, you know, that's what we're trying to work on with Comics and Color, right? We, so we, we're producing free accessible events, you know, for, I mean, we're obviously we're focused on Boston because that's where we're based. But, you know, one of the reasons why we picked the location that we picked was, uh, at Roxbury Community College is because it's right, it's a hub, right, in the neighborhood. It's right at Roxbury Crossing, really easily accessible by T, by bus. Um, and then we made the programming free. Like we don't, you know, a lot of these conventions you go, it's $50 a ticket or, you know, you're paying for photo ops or something like that. But this, we wanted, we wanted to remove all the barriers for uh, folks to enjoy, to experience a con, to enjoy a con, to connect with people. And, you know, all of our program we do is free. Um, we bring, you know, speakers and workshops and stuff. And 
it's all free. So we, we want to remove those barriers. We see the future of this space being that, you know, one day it, it's not going to be a thing. Like Black Panther doesn't have to be a thing. It's not a thing. It's just one of many diverse characters. I think there is, I, I want to say if it's Disney Plus or one of the streaming service, there's a, a Indian American girl who doesn't look like a typical girl that turns into a superhero. And then all of a sudden she's a superhero. And, and so like where that just becomes normal, where it's like people who look like you and me, people who maybe have a disability, women, men, people who are non-binary, all are superheroes and part of this universe where they already are now, but it, that becomes the mainstream. Do you see a future that looks like that? Absolutely. I think that's the direction that we're moving in. And I think we've made, you know, and I think Black Panther was a big part of it, but I think we've made huge strides. You know, Miss Marvel, the series that you're talking about, was amazing, you know, diverse storytelling, right? She's a Pakistani young woman and her story is different from our, you know, different- Pakistani, not Indian. Thank you for the yeah. correction. I appreciate it. So, um, yes, and I think that the mainstream has finally started to understand that diverse storytelling is good for everyone and everybody's interested in stories that are not about themselves and they're about other cultures and stuff. So I think that's, uh, I think that is the future. And I, I, you know, I think that that's the end goal, right? Where we, something like Comics and Color isn't needed because when you go to the, the large conventions we're represented. I mean, I've been, I go to conventions fairly regularly and we still got work to do, Crystal. <laughs> you know, you go to these conventions, and yes, there's more brown, black, and brown faces around, but not in any way representative of you know the population by any means. You know, and there's still, even within the comics community, there's still we have a ways to go. There is still a, a very uh, a group of people. Um, you could call them comics gate, but I think it goes way beyond that. Who are very, very against. Um, diverse storytelling, very against having women superheroes. You know, they don't, they just want to, you know, I want my Thor, the way that Thor was blonde and blue eyed and male and no other thing is going to be accepted and we're going to flame people online because of it. So I think that, you know, until stuff like that happens and we, I can go to a convention and not feel like I'm one of the only ones there, I think we got a ways to go, but I think we've made huge strides in the last couple of years. Well, let's talk about that because I'm interested in these folks who are trying to gatekeep, you know, comic books in, in so much as, you know, keeping them white and keeping them male and things like, like, how do you, how do you deal with something like that? How, like I, and, and then I also think about um, like the boys, uh, that show that's on the, that take, that sort of turns the concept of, you know, superheroes on its head. Um, how do you continue to work in making comic books and, and that's in sci-fi, like a, an inclusive space, a positive space, but also ha we're have these things in the zeitgeist and have to deal with that? Um, unfortunately, there's no good answer there. I mean, I think you, you have to, well, for me personally, I'll just talk about me personally. I love it when people, don't like my comics or give me negative uh, responses to my comics because they're reading them, right? I've made an impact in their life. So even these, these guys who are like, I hate this and I hate that, they're still reading the comics. So I feel like it's, you've, we just ignore them 
they're they're dinosaurs that are are going to be, you know, uh, eventually as as long as we keep moving forward and creating great stories and uh, supporting one another, then we uh, then they are powerless, right? They're just voices speaking into the ether. Uh, I think we, you know. I know for me personally that we need to keep creating and I'm gonna keep encouraging, I'm gonna keep creating, I'm gonna keep encouraging other folks to keep creating. And that's how we combat that because they they can't stop us, right? All they can do is complain and you know yell into the, the ether, but we're gonna keep moving forward. Pagan Luce, how, does, how do folks support you and what you're doing with Boston, uh, with Boston Comics in Color? Well, um, you can go to comicsandcolor.org. There is a space to donate there. You can do it. Uh, we have a 501c3 as a fiscal agent that you can donate to us. We can always use funds, right? That's always the challenge in putting one of these together is getting the funding together. Um, you can support us by coming out to the event on April 29th, 2023 at the Reggie Lewis Center. So we're uh, planning for that. Um, and support diverse storytelling. like. Um, you know, you can go on comicsandcolor.org and see the folks that have been at our convention. You can, you know, the internet is a great resource to find, you know, people who are out there creating in independent comics. Kickstarter, there's always uh, folks on Kickstarter trying to uh, get their, their projects going. So support them, buy comics, support Kickstarters, uh, go out to your co local comic book store and buy the, the indie comics, buy the indie local comics, um, buy creators of color. Um, yeah, to just come out and support. We're uh, we're gonna keep moving forward, and you know the support of folks who just love to read comics and enjoy comics is is important. So um, yeah. Well, I want to thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, Crystal. I'm I'm really excited to talk to you. Thank you so much to Kagan Luce of Comics in Color. For more information, check out Comics in Color on Instagram, Twitter, and on Facebook. So for more information about Common Narrative, you can hit us up on social at Common Narrative or Common Narrative Media. And of course, tune in every Monday from 1 to 3 on Spark FM Online. Find past episodes on Apple Podcasts. Because knowledge is power and powers change. This is